There's no better place to watch football with friends than Buffalo Wild Wings. They've got all the games on wall-to-wall TVs and a new $5 game day menu with 38-ounce pitchers of Bud Light, Coors Light, and Miller Light, cheeseburgers and broths, and select cocktails. And every Sunday, you can play an exclusive fantasy football game with DraftKings with prizes like free wings for a year. Get to Buffalo Wild Wings for our $5 game day deals. When football is on, you have to be here. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. Price and participation vary, subject to restrictions, limited time only. Hold up. Blog Talk Radio. What's up, Rams fans? There it is. Right there. That's playoffs, man. That's what playoffs sound like. That is win or lose. Win or die music right there. Dramatic. I'm kind of getting hyped up, man. I may have to the rest of this out. If you're not pumped up at this point, you're not going to get pumped up at all. That's, you know, that's bottom line right there. DJ3K, how you doing tonight? Man, we still got hours left to go. I I don't know how I'm going to make it through the rest of this. This is, uh, you know, the last two days I've been waiting, waiting for Sunday. Now it's here, and I'm like, God, clock's moving slow. I know, I know. It's, been, it's the longest Sunday I can remember. You know, it used to be that the Rams games came on a Sunday, and I was saying earlier today, I don't, you know, week 17 games for the past couple of years. I, I'll be honest with you, I don't even know if I'll watch the whole thing. They were so yeah. awful. They were pretty the bad. Last two said, you know, of it. Just, it, and it here we are. It, it was one of those things where you were just kind of checking out to see what happened, like highlights. Even though, you know, watching those mm-hmm. games, there weren't many highlights. It was just lowlights, but... It's strange to be back in this position because it feels – it's hard to be able to accept this much nervousness, you know. It's weird. It's strange. It really is. It's, it's it's, you know, it's almost kind of a relief in a way because it's just – it's like, hey, you know, this is what you play for. This is where you want to be at the end of the season when you're coming off a a 1-15 year and a 2-win season before that and a 3-win season before that. Just – Years and years of bad football, and here we are, week 17, a prime time game, winner take all. It's a, it is a good day to be a Rams fan, 3K. Oh, you got me hyped up again, man. Hold on. Oh man, <laughs> oh, I'm going back to it, baby. Woo! <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Can't do, can't do it all show. <laughs> That's good stuff right there, 3K. Good Man, I, I could break it all out. We could go no, nothing Put but music out. jams to get hyped up and not even talk about anything. I don't know, man. Where, where do you want to start? Where do you want to start? Boy, 3K, where is there to start? You know, I don't even care about last week's game. We won. It's done. It's over. What's the point of talking about last week's game at this point? It's all about week 17 today. Prime time, baby. Well, here's a question for you. Let me throw this out at you. I said today, I think that Spagnuolo, you know, Spagnuolo's taking some flack, from myself included, for being maybe a little too low-key at times. But I, I think that style may come in handy for the Rams today. A young team like that, they're getting amped up. they got all day to sit around Seattle and wait for this game to start. Um, I, you know, I think that might play into their, you know, talking about the, the small things the intangibles here. I, I think that plays into their hands. I think that that might fit well. What, what do you think, 3K? Is this a primetime thing? Is it a factor? 
I think it could be. You know, it, it it works both sides of the coin. You know, you got those really hyped up coaches, and a lot of times that ends up shooting them in the foot. You saw a guy like Mike Singletary who got canned. And then on the other side, you got a guy like Wade Phillips who was always muted and had that same kind of spagnuolo little tenor about him. And, and he got fired too. I think I think it just kind of depends on the situation. The the thing is, both for Spagnuolo as a head coach uh, and the young team that we have, this is a new situation that we haven't dealt with before in, in terms of a winner-go-home mentality. I mean, this is really it. You, you can say there are must-win games, but, th- I mean, this mm-hmm. is the definition. It's not just a must-win game. This is the only game. This is it. So yeah. it, it's interesting for me to see how, how the attitude not not only plays into the game but plays throughout the game. Is the emotional is the emotional tenor of the game going to change? You know, given how desperate both teams are going to be, and I understand you know SB Nation the the fans field goals the poll they did may suggest that they don't really want to win this game. But come on, man, they got to want it as bad as we do. You got to assume, right? Ridiculous. Absolutely, yeah. that's the most ridiculous thing in the world. I mean. Yeah, I think your hardcore online community, your draft nicks, and we know we know the type. We've had our we've got our fair share around turf show times. I remember having this debate last year. You know, do the Rams want to win another game? Do they want? I mean, do you really want the Rams to win anymore at that point so they can have the first overall pick, pick that sort of thing? But you know, Seattle's owners are, are going to be gunning for a win tonight because the playoff game at home is going to mean more money, and more money is you know versus the sixth overall draft pick, it's a, you know, it's a no-brainer if you're an owner from that perspective. Yeah. So they're, they're going to be pumped up. They're going to be coming in, fired up, ready to play. I mean, there's no question about that. And they're at Seattle. The fans are going to be stoked. I don't care what the what the blogs have said this week. The fans are going to be pumped because they want to see a win. They haven't had, you know, here they are. They suffered through some bad games, and here they are. they still got one meaningful game to go. I mean, that's a, that's a big deal for a fan. I, I would think – Regardless of where you want to, who you want to take in the draft, or where you want to end up, they're not going to get Andrew Luck. So what does it matter? I mean, that's you know, I can't think of anything they need more than that right now. So well, they got um, they got Charlie know. the Chimney Whitehurst, man. Uh, we'll see if that's enough. But that, there's no better way to understand than to get a pulse of what people are thinking than to bring on some callers. I think we got a caller from the three one. Oh yeah, let's, let's bring him on. Hello. Oh. Hey, hey, you guys there? Yes. How's it going, guys? I'm uh, very excited about this game tonight. And uh, my question to you is, uh, Whitehurst, Hasselback, it shouldn't matter. The Rams are definitely the better team. Uh, what do you see the Rams doing tonight to limit mistakes? Because in my opinion, if they limit mistakes in terms of, you know, interceptions and that sort of thing, Seattle's horrible. We should win this game. You know, it's week 17. There's no excuses. What do you guys think? Do, you, do they let Bradford go crazy, or are you just put in Jackson's hands and, and hope that he gets it done? Is this Pete? This is Zach. Zach. Sorry, I missed yeah. your name. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to see what what happens on that first possession, whether Seattle has the ball first, the Rams have the ball first. I, th- I think you'll get a good sense of kind of where the team is mentally. You know, I, I think what's going to happen is you're going to come in and they're going to have the first series or two for the offense scripted, scripted out, ready to go. And I think you'll probably see some Steven Jackson – probably leaning on Jackson first of all early on. Um, I, I don't know. I, I guess my feeling is, is is the first thing I would do is come out, maybe run a series, maybe just go right into that no-huddle hurry-up offense and try to move down the field and get some points on the board, regardless of you know who has the ball first and, and what happens on, you know, if Seattle has the ball first, whether they score or get points or whatever. I, I just, you know, 
establish the urgency, establish the tone right off the bat. And that's something you look back on the last few games that the Rams have played, and then, you know, they've had kind of some slow starts to it. They've let the they've let the opponent catch them kind of off their heels a little bit. And then that's, uh, you know, I, I don't think you want to be in that situation tonight. I mean, I'd rather be in that situation against this Seattle team than a New Orleans or a Kansas City or somebody like that. But, you know, uh, I think given the national stage that it's going to be on, given just what a headache it's going to be to listen to the commentators and all the pundits out there talking about how bad the NFC West, how bad it is that the NFC West gets a playoff spot. So, you know, it behooved the Rams to go out there and shut all that crap up right off the bat, too. 3K? Yeah, I mean, there are two things that I think are going to be really interesting. Number one, you know, we talked about the tenor. But, but I think it's going to be interesting to see how this team responds early on to any kind of setbacks, whether that's a three and out offensively, whether that's a big play that we give up on special teams or defense. You know, it's going to be hard to go out and post another 20-3 to three victory like we did in the EJD earlier this season. Things aren't going to go right the whole game. And I, I'm really interested to see a team this young that's as untested in these kind of situations to see how we respond to any kind of setbacks early on in that game and what we say about ourselves after that. The other is going to be, you know, any sense of – what Seattle tries to do. We know, like you said, uh, what did you say, Zach? Yeah, you know, Whitehurst, Hasselbeck, it really doesn't matter because they're just not that good. The, the obvious way to play against that is to try to get a running game going, and Seattle in years past has been able to do just that. I'm interested to see how we try to stop the run. Uh, if it is Charlie Whitehurst, then there's you know there's that much more impetus to stop the run and force Charlie Whitehurst to try to make the game uh, go farther than it should, knowing that he's not really that capable yet, mm-hmm. and what that might lead to for a Rams defense. So it's going to be interesting to see how those things play out, especially in that first quarter, first half. Yeah. What do you think, yeah, Zach? Totally any agree. any other thoughts, man? Uh, no, I just, you know, I really hope they, I hope Jackson takes us there. Nobody wants it more than him. I hope, you know, he goes to beast mode tonight and, you know, just finishes them off. Thanks for the show, guys. Absolutely. Hey, it's all good, Thanks, bro. man. Yeah, 3K, speaking of the, the quarterback situation for Seattle, you know, I, I guess, I mean, if you really, I mean, I think the Rams got to beat whoever's playing quarterback, and that certainly means preparing for Matt Hasselbeck. He's a veteran. He's a guy that's been down this road before. He's been in some must-win games in the NFL, no doubt about it. Um, you know, to me, a, a guy like Hasselback, you've always got – I mean, he's going to give Seattle their best chance to win, I mean, regardless of what you think of him or not. And I think they're going to be looking for him to play tonight. I mean, they're kind of tight-lipped about it. You know, he's had a full day to kind of stay off his feet and, and recover a little – get a little extra recovery time. Um, but then again, I you know, I wouldn't take Charlie Whitehurst for granted. You know, one thing that – um, his accuracy was really good last week when he played, what, almost four full quarters against Tampa Bay. But, you know, he was all, and this is something that will be dear to Rams fans' heart, short passes. They just had him in those there short, safe, easy passes, making those short, safe, easy passes. And that's, you know, that can be a problem for the Rams. You got you, you create that, you take advantage of that mismatch at outside linebacker. And that's, you know, that's something the Rams got to watch out for. John Carlson isn't having much of a season, but, you know, he's a guy that's burned this team before. And, and, you know, you've got a big Mike Williams, and you've got other guys in there that could do the same thing. So it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's uh, you got to be ready for either quarterback. I mean, I, I wouldn't take it for granted if Matt Hasselbeck's not starting. Sure. And, you know, obviously the best way to – to counteract whatever whoever they decide to roll out is going to be, you know, pressure on the quarterback. And, and it, 
with a with an offensive line that struggled as much as Seattle's had, that shouldn't be too much to ask. You know, Thomas W. said it in the open thread that we have going, don't go conservative and play it safe. Pedal to the metal blitz packages, pound Hasselbeck Whitehurst. you got to agree, man. That, I mean, that's the easiest oh, way yeah. to put Seattle on their back foot is to come out and throw a shot in somebody's mouth really, really early. Absolutely, and I think this is a good matchup with our, you know, our front four looked really good last week. Now, San Francisco has protection issues, had protection issues on the edges of their offensive line. And then I don't know, is Okung, Okung playing this week? I think he is. He played last week. He should be. He's not on the but, injury um, report. No, and, and, you know, that's he's a good play, a good young player, but, you know, he's a guy that could be, that, that James Hall and Chris Long will be looking to take advantage of today. Um uh, you know, I, I would go in early. I, they'll do some. I think you know this is a good matchup for the front four. They can do some damage up 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 front there, and I think you can you can get a, a good pass rush going with your front four. Then that leaves the Rams in a much better position to play the rest of the field. You know, and what we yeah, saw last week in San the, Francisco. Yeah, I was going to say one of the reasons that we were so successful against San Francisco is that we kept the variance in the blitz. As long as you keep a diversified you know set of blitz packages, you can do some different things with your front four. Because that offensive line is going to be prepared to just handle those people as easily as other teams like the Saints had earlier in the season. You've got mm-hmm. to be able to throw those different kind of looks and bring the blitzes from different areas in different kinds of situations. So hopefully we can do that pretty early. I'm going to keep rolling through the open thread if you want, Van, unless you got something else Absolutely. you want to talk. We got some some nice Whitehurst compliments from Thomas W. We'll just, we'll just roll through that. Here's a good question from Ryan Ryan Mute. If we do lose tonight, which he says is not going to happen, I'm I'm sure we'd all agree. How is this team position going into next season? And it, you know, is the sky the limit? Where what is what is the the ceiling on this team for next year? What do you think? Well, I'm pretty optimistic. Now, I mean, I don't think. I mean, I think it's you know, I, I think there's still more than one off season away from being just a dominant. The, powerhouse of a team but I, I think you know they they can the Rams can come out and have a really strong off season and be I mean did nobody expected them to win seven wins so they're already kind of ahead of the curve right there I mean only the kind of the most wide-eyed optimists would have expected that back in August or even back in October really um so you know it, it's been it's been a great season for the Rams already obviously there's more to do I'm not that's not any sort of you know, namby pamby trade off for a loss tonight because you know, that's just not going to be acceptable at this point. They've established, they've came out, exceeded expectations, and established a new set of expectations for themselves. So they got to do that. But I'm saying, you know, you get to, you get a playmaker on offense, a wide another wide somebody in back. You get Donnie Avery back healthy. You get a wide receiver, another wide receiver in there. You talked about Julio Jones in your open thread for the Bulls yesterday, 3K. Somebody like that in there, maybe a free agent. I don't know. You bring in, you look, you, you upgrade your outside linebacker spots. <clears throat> you try to find some depth here and there, and I, I think you know suddenly this is a much better team, a dramatically better team than it is this season. It's hard not to be pretty optimistic about. That. I I would say they have the NFC West wrapped up at this point. Now you know there's always a key injury or two that could, that could change things, and and that's in some cases that's just hard to prevent. But um, you know this is a this is a team well positioned for the future. I think that's what kind of sets us apart against the rest of the division. Sure, and I think that, I think the thing that's interesting about projecting this forward 
is that so many of our core positions are filled with guys, you know, first, second, third year. You got quarterback, you got both offensive tackles, you got a middle linebacker, you got a defensive end, you got cornerbacks. So many of those positions are filled with guys that have their almost their entire NFL careers that are in front of them. Mm-hmm. It, it's re- it's really hard to see us keeping all those guys together on the same team because you know that as those guys get better, they're going to get more expensive, and you have to leverage that with all the kinds of new players you bring yeah. in. But that's one of the most, you know, that's one of the biggest difficulties of being a general manager is how do you deal with drafting and putting a good team together, and then when they get good, trying to hold on to those guys. That's a good yeah. kind of problem to have, as opposed to the bad problems that we've had to deal with. So, you know, if we're talking about the ceiling for next year, it, it's hard not to say that we won't be the favorites for the NFC West. It, it's hard not to see us, you know, riding towards the playoffs, and that, that's why we really need to win this game is to get that kind of an experience for a team this young. The thing yeah. is, each year, it's always going to be bigger and better. You never want to go into the next year and say, yeah, I think we're going to be worse than the previous year. But, yeah. you know, you got to wonder when it's going to stop. Obviously, next year makes sense, but, you know, you can't just get better and better and better and better every single year. So it's going to be an interesting ride, but definitely right now things are, you know, they're trending upward, man. They're trending in the right direction. Yeah, and I think it's about some key depth at certain positions too. I mean, you know, you look at the defensive line, or 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 maybe even like cornerback or, or something like that, and you see, uh, you know, you see. Uh, obviously, they're really strong. They've got great players. You've got Ron Bartell and Bradley Fletcher. You've got James Laurinaitis at the middle linebacker spot. You got Chris Long at one of your defensive end spots. But you know, you run down the list. Any one of those guys gets injured, and, and you know that could be real problems for the Rams right now when you look at the roster. And so I think they need to be prepared to kind of deal with – now, obviously, you can't have one superstar and plug in another superstar and be ready to go. But, you know, they, they need to have guys that can kind of capably fill in a game or two for those guys because the schedule's going to get tougher next year too. So, you know, a game without one of your starters, a key starter like that, where God forbid, you know, your starting quarterback, you've got to be prepared to deal with those contingencies. And, and that's, I think, kind of part. I mean, obviously, you see the need for playmakers on the offense and some more playmakers on defense. But you know, that's going to be a key thing for the Rams next year, in, in terms of building up their roster and being that year in, year out, a, a competitive team that you constantly expect to have nine to twelve wins every year. And I think a double-digit win season is very reasonable for an expectation next year, even though we are going to have a tougher schedule. And here's another one. Transplanted Rams fan has two questions I'd like to try to throw out there if we can get to them both before we get our next caller who should be calling in any second now. Do you ever see us becoming a vertical passing team if we throw some more weapons out there and as Sam gains more trust from the coaches? It's an interesting question, man. I think a lot of it depends on who's there in the wide receiving core in the next couple of years. What do you think? I think definitely, and this is something we've been talking about a lot in recent weeks, you know, on the site, on the Twitters, all those other places like that. During the game threads, we had a lot, a lot of conversation about that in the last two weeks, I know. Um, you know, you look at the Rams, they weren't afraid to use it last week. Now, they haven't used it as much as I think people really would like for them to, but I think next year you've got, you'll have Alexander back, you'll have Avery back. I mean, it's a, you, you get a guy like Avery, and I think they'll be more comfortable in taking some downfield shots. I think they'll be more comfortable taking downfield shots with Sam Bradford you know, with another year in the system, another year of experience. I I would hope, I mean, I would think that, you know, they need that third dimension to the offense so that you can kind of, uh, I mean, you know, you can run whatever page in the playbook you want to run and you got the guys to do it with. I think you'll see more of that. I mean, I hope they do it today, not to jump too far ahead, but I hope they do it tonight because, you know, you need to, Seattle has a kind of a weak secondary and that's a good 
good opportunity to take take care of some of that and 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 stretch the field a little bit. You saw what the 46-yard reception to Denari Alexander did for the Rams last week. The play itself almost was a touchdown. Had you know half of his foot stayed in bounds, but it was a touchdown in the next, within the next series. So that's a you know those are key key plays. And Bradford's a guy that can do that. Bradford has the accuracy and the brains to make those kind of plays. And I think you got to let him do whatever he can. Do. I think you got to open up that weapon and, and use it in whatever capacity you can, whether that's a downfield shot, whether that's the dink and dunk passing game, whether that's the bootleg rollouts and screens and, and all that other good stuff. So uh, it's a, it, it's, it's a sight to, to sight to behold. There you go. I, I was actually going to go back to two other deep passes we had, man. And I think those okay. are more, those, those I think were more indicative of what a deep pass does. And mainly because they weren't, te- you know, quote unquote successful. The first was Danny Amendola's, uh, picture perfect throw, just a a model mm. of quarterback technique, you know, coming around on that reverse and then throwing. Uh, I, I don't even know what you want to call it, a bleeding goose of a throw. I don't I don't know how to term it. My you know, my fluency with the language isn't that strong. But he threw a really nasty pass up there, and we still got a pass interference called down by the goal line. And, and uh-huh. a lot of times, that that's what throwing the ball up does. It allows a defense to make a mistake. So often, you think it's the offense that is going to make a mistake, but those throws also put the pressure on the defense to do what they're yeah. supposed to do. And when you're playing, uh, and especially when you can isolate certain people that you don't really believe in defensively, sometimes you just get lucky, man. And, and you know, luck plays a serious, serious role in these NFL games. And that was almost the second part, was there was one pass that Bradford threw downfield to Brandon Gibson, and I don't remember if he was double or triple covered, but it wasn't even close to being completed. But I think that was one of the most important threat, passes that he threw all game simply because of the threat, the threat that, okay, mm-hmm. I, I know he's not going to be open, I know he's covered, but we're still going to take that shot. That was something I had called for so often last year with Donnie yeah. Adams, when Bulger was playing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you're not really going to complete it. It doesn't matter that, you know, you may lose that battle and you may throw a pick way downfield. That's not much different than a punt anyway. The key is to yeah. put that threat in the minds of the corners and the safeties so that that first step that they have has more trepidation than it would otherwise if they know that the only passes you're throwing are eight-yard hooks and two-yard slants to Amendola and those kind of things. You have to be able to threaten that vertical game, even if it's not necessarily sitting in front of you looking successful. Absolutely, and you know that brings up a good point too. The, with the pass interference call, 3K is is the league is on pace, and I think at the end of the day today, they will have ex- far exceeded the record number of touchdown passes for a single NFL season. I mean, all in, throughout the whole league. There's a, there's a front page article in the sports section of the New York Times today, Judy Batista, that that goes into just how much the game, and this is something we've been talking about for the last year or two as well, but. It, just how much the game has become that spread offense influence passing pass first game, and you just don't see teams running and like they used to, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, one one point made within the article, and, I, and I've heard Tony Dungy talk about this on on the TV as well. Sometimes is that you know the way the league is calling it right now for quarter the, the way the league has instructed officials to call contact for receivers, you know, the head injuries this year have just scared the shit out of everybody in the league. So I think you're starting to see some trepidation from corners and safeties going in to make hits on these guys. And that just that's even more reason to take a downfield shot because right now the rules and the way the game the way the game is, is, is expected to be called 
it benefits quarterbacks, it benefits receivers, it benefits that passing game. And the more you stretch that out, even if you don't complete those passes, you get those PI calls, that's that's just as good as a pass, if not better in some cases. And I think oh, you just got to start taking advantage of that. That's that's the league now. That's the way it is. And I know we got a caller from the 909. We're about to bring you on. But I just wanted to know, oh. you know, coming from the South, I know one of the things that had really upset my family, and especially a lot of my family who played Division One football and even my cousin who played in the NFL, was when they changed that rule to limit the, am- the amount of space that defenders could hold receivers, essentially, would, would be to five mm-hmm. yards. Because before that, you didn't have that rule. And the engagement that cornerbacks, the leverage that they were allowed to try to, you know, physically interrupt wide receivers was that much greater. And all the rule mm-hmm. did was allow offenses that much more ability to pass the ball with fluency. And he said, you know what, there's no need. And my cousin was a running back at LSU before we went to the pros. And he said, you know what, there's almost no need for a running game really anymore. There's no need to use a running game to open up the offense. And over the last, you know, five, six years, that's what we've seen. It's a passing league. The rules mandated. Yeah. The, the safety, you know, violations mandated. I mean, that's just where we're going as a league. So I just wanted to throw that out there before we bring our caller on from the 909. Let me, let me one more point before we, the one after 909 comes on here. Is, is that That's a good point, too, 3K. And I think that's you – know, you've seen that with the Rams this year. I mean, I don't think the Rams would be as successful this year – without Steven Jackson. And and unfortunately for Jackson, because you love the guy and you want to see the guy have 20 touchdowns in a season, you want to have C. Jackson have a 2,000-yard season. But, you know, in a lot of ways, he's kind of a high-priced decoy. I mean, because defenses respect him. They know the Rams don't have a lot of options that receive, name brands at receiver. So, you know, you're seeing these seven, eight, even nine men stack boxes against the Rams' offense, and that's just opened it up even more so for Sam Bradford. I know that's kind of similar to what, you know, Matt Ryan had in Atlanta with with Turner in his rookie season, but that's been a huge part of the Rams' success. And, it, you know, it's it's a it's a trade-off. It's a, you know, you're, you're the guy that's kind of carried our hopes and dreams for the last few years is, is, you know, some of what he can do has been traded in just for the threat of what he can do. And that's, you know, help the offense win games. That's the new there you NFL. Go, man. I, I could go off on that, but I don't want to, you know, keep our, keep our callers off. So from the 909, Turf Show Radio, what's going on, brother? Hey, what's up, guys? This is Option. How you doing? Option, Good. Up, How are man? you, my man? I'm all right, all right. Hey, I'm, I just tuned in right now. I don't know if you guys touched up on it, but it was mentioned in one of the threads earlier today that uh, – Yes, Jake Glazer mentioned Pat Shermer as a possibility going to Carolina. Um, yeah. Obviously, obviously to all of us, this is maybe a blessing in disguise, but I just want to get um, a couple takes on you guys uh, because uh, he's already mentioned as a head coaching candidate. Do you think maybe we uh, we put too much on the guy? Do we, uh, we hate on the guy really too much just because he's on our team? Or, But another thing is if uh, – if they do actually take on, or he actually goes off to another head coaching job, who do you guys see in the future that maybe uh, might be a possibility to fill in for his job, or do you think uh, do you think Spags just gets another one of his friends coming in? Man, that's a good Man, question. A... I, I I tell you what, I I think the the Shermer to Carolina head coaching talk is just talk. I mean, I don't think it's going to go any further than that. Now, I think after next season, and then we'll see. You know, with expectations being what they are for the Rams. I think you'll start to see a lot more talk about coordinators, you know, in the running for for bigger, bigger and better things elsewhere. I, I, but I mean, I think right now it's just been it hasn't been, you know, 
enough time in the system, so to speak, for a guy like Shermer, who was a quarterback's coach before he was an offensive coordinator. And not that you can't climb that fast, but, you know, typically guys don't climb that fast out of out of St. Louis with the Rams and the way they have been in recent seasons. Like I said, now you, you wait and see what happens next year. I think you'll start to see Shermer, Flahole, those some of those guys' names – in getting a lot more airtime when, it, when it's coaching change season. But I think for now, don't worry, everybody. It's probably safe. Shermer is probably going to be here another year. I, you know, I, we've been harsh on Shermer. I, I'll tell you, I think some of the conservative stuff, I've been as harsh on the guy as anybody else. I think a lot of the conservative stuff goes back to Spagnolio. 3K? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'll say a couple things. Number one, the – what you get out of the media suggests that Shermer is one of the more respected coaches among the league and one of the more respected coordinators. And one of the things that I always ask, whether it's game threads or post games or midweek stuff, is whether the Shermer's limiting the offense or whether the offense is limiting Shermer. You know, people people want to see these deep these deep throws and opening up the field, but it's hard to do that when you've got Leron Robinson and Brandon Gibson and Danny Amendola as your receivers on the field. They're, those guys just aren't deep threats. So it's not like you can make you know gold out of a pile of shit. It's really hard to do those things when you don't have the personnel there. That being said, like we point, like I pointed out earlier, when you got Brandon Gibson down the field, you still have to do that. You still have to make that threat. And I think that's something that he's shown with more proclivity that he's willing to do. The question is for me with Shermer is is situational calls. That's always been my thing with Shermer. But it's one of those things that a lot of times you just got to work out. You know, young coordinator, young head coach, young team, young quarterback. Those things are all trending in the right direction. So it's going to be interesting to see. I too think he'll be here next year, but it's one of those things that we'll have to see. Um, in terms of other offensive coordinator stuff and Spagnuolo in terms of being conservative, it's hard to say because, you know, it was almost like Spagnuolo brought, you know, a previous team over both in terms of coaches and all the free agents that he's brought over, you know, Philadelphia mm-hmm. and New York. It, now it's almost turned the page where, okay, you, you were able to lean on your past to get you where you are. Now you've got to start writing your own future, man, and you, you can't do that with the cast-offs from Philadelphia and the Giants anymore. You've got to start putting yeah. it together. So, you know, if the situation presents itself that he's got to go out and get a coordinator, he's got to start from zero. He's got to start from nothing. He can't pull he can't pull something from the past to try to help him get where he is now. That that time has already passed. It's time to start building for the future. And that you know, that's the real gut check for a head coach. That that's where you really start making your money is to say, you know, I I don't need the mentors anymore. My mentors got me where I am. I'm going to get me where I'm going to go. It's going to be an interesting ride, man. It's going to be interesting to see. I think a lot of that, you know, starts showing itself tonight and, you know, if things work out right in the playoffs to say what kind of a team is this, what kind of a coach do we have, what kind of a staff do we have, and what kind of intensity, what kind of character do we have in the situations where that's most important. It's easy It's easy to show character and to say the right things and do the right things when you're, you know, 2-14, 1-15, or in the middle of a mediocre season. When, when the game's on, when the season's on the line, when your reputation's on the line, that's what really defines who you are as a coach and as a player. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with everything you just said, especially about future uh, candidates. I mean, I've always been kind of sick of the sick of the whole bringing your ex-friends and uh, ex-teammates uh, along with you kind of ride, but I, I totally understand how it is for a first-time head coach considering who you're comfortable with and such. But it's like you said, right now the Rams are at a classing point in the franchise where, you know, they already got to that point where they're this close to the playoffs and they're so close to making the next step. But stressing on what you said earlier on, on uh, Spags and um, Schirmer, on the game tonight, I think it's uh, I think it's a coin toss, and what we're going to actually see tonight. You have a uh, you have one aspect where you think uh, 
you know, the Rams were already in this position. They didn't think they'd be in this position this fast uh, at this point last year in the year. And they they might say, hey, we've got nothing to lose, so let's just open up the playbook and just, you know, just really show, show what Bradford really has and, you know, get some trick plays going on and whatnot. Or you can get the other side of the coin where, you know, you know, we're this close to the playoffs. Let's not try to, like, mess anything. Let's just try to keep it conservative. Let's just do what's got us here. Do you guys think they take the gamble, you know, the that nothing to lose approach or just, you know, or the other way around? That's a good question. I'll jump on that, Van. I think it's got to be the other way around, and the reason why is it's gotten us this far, you know. It's not It's not so much if it's not broken, don't fix it, but this is the kind of, you know, approach that Spagnuolo, the coaching staff, and the players themselves have adopted in terms of how to approach big games. We've seen it, you know, throughout the regular season. We saw it last season building, and now it's gotten us to this point. I don't think you abandon that simply because now is the first time that you're playing really, really meaningful football. We don't have the experience to try to throw out something that we're just not experiencing. So I, I think it's going to be more of the same. The key is just to keep it clean, be efficient, the same way Atlanta did it against us a couple of weeks ago. You can run that kind of offense. You can be that kind of a team. You just have to do it mistake-free and successfully and consistently and competently for a full 60 minutes. Yeah, and and that's uh, you know, and the Rams the Rams have done a pretty good job of you know switching up their playbook on both sides of the ball. Now, obviously, they're a lot more aggressive on defense than they are on offense, but you know they have a lot you know better personnel situation on defense too. And and I think you'll see that again tonight. I think you'll see some plays designed to to take advantage of that, you know, to take advantage of the matchups in Seattle. But I I think you're you the Rams team you're going to see on the field tonight is going to look a lot like the Rams team you've seen on the field throughout 16 weeks of the season already. Hey, guys, right just to break in real guys. quick, some breaking news. I, I, I wish I had the breaking news music, but uh, just a, a new tweet from Brian Stull. There you go. There you go. Brian Stull just tweeted a couple minutes ago, not official yet, but strong indications that Hasselbeck will start today. For what it's worth, it looks like Hasselbeck's going to get the start, huh? And that's not a surprise, oh, really. I mean, you know, it's like what we saw with Matt Castle was – not even two weeks removed from appendicitis, you know, the Chiefs were playing for, for for position, and then at that point, you know, still playing for the AFC West title, and I think Seattle's in the same situation. You're going to go with the guy that gives you your best chance to win. And for Seattle, yeah. that's Hasselbeck. They're going to want him out there. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have it any other way as a Rams fan. This is probably Hasselbeck's last game with the Seahawks. you got to think that they're going to probably going to, in the Pete Carroll era, is going to going to change directions next year. Hasselbeck's an older guy. He's probably going to be put out to pasture with the backups. Bolzer-esque situation next year, but I I wouldn't have it any other way. There's no other guy with the Seattle Seahawks that you would like to see the Rams beat tonight than, than Matt Hasselbeck. Am I right? Yeah, and I just want to throw in there, I've heard rumors that uh, Matt Hasselbeck went ahead and got that appendectomy just for good luck after watching what Castle did. So That's just what I heard, man. I'm just passing, I'm just passing the word along. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I'm going to take off. Um, thanks for the call, guys. Um, good luck to us tonight, and uh, hopefully we got good news to talk about later. Absolutely. Sounds good, Option. Thanks, thanks for calling in, Option. 3K, two callers. I, 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 I don't want to jump ahead in my diagnosis, but I'm going to say fever. People got the fever. I hope so. There's never been a better time. To, it's contagious. It's contagious. Speaking of contagious, man, let's get back into the thread because we let's we got some it. things going on tonight. Um, 
an earlier one that we kind of skipped that I didn't really throw out. Transplanted Rams fan asked, "Are we going to try to pick on uh, Marcus Trufant? You know, the the famous cornerback of Seahawk fame out there with uh, Kelly Jennings in the secondary. Do you think? Do you think that's the uh, mismatch that makes sense? Is it is it so much a mismatch, or is it one of those things where Bradford just has to take what he's given? Uh, you know, it seems like Seattle's corners play off, and it seems like that's a good matchup for the Rams in that they can move the chains and and. I mean, they play behind the receiver a little bit, and, and that's kind of their preferential way of doing it so that maybe they don't give up big plays. But, you know, if you think back, the, the what we really beat the Seahawks over the head with last time we played were the screen passes. Remember the screen the screen pass to Fells? Got to yeah. add another beauty to Jackson. I mean, that's what, you know, the, the Rams beat the Seahawks with last time. Uh, it be interesting to see what's going on. Uh, Seattle, though, has had some changes. Uh, you've got Colin... Uh, Colin Cole and Red Bryant. Red Colin Bryant's Cole, out, yeah. for the, out for the year. Colin Cole, I think, is out too, isn't he? I believe so, yeah, as last I, I checked. I believe so. So that's a – you know, there's two studs they had on their defensive line. They're gone. Now, they still got Chris Clemens, and he's a sack master, but uh, that's a – you know, that's a different – that's a little weaker Seattle D-line than we saw in week four. Yeah, just to throw it, I mean, here, here's another one that came from Transplanted Rams fan. No segue, complete 180. Are we going to pay O.J. Otagwe next year? Is O.J. Otagwe a Ram next year? What do you think? Yeah, because, I mean, you know, the Rams don't have – they'll have draft picks. Now, for the first time in a long time, they're probably not going to be drafting way up high in the, in the first round. Now, even if they lose tonight, which they're not, even if they lose tonight, they're going to have a draft pick in the middle of the round compared to where they're usually – where they've been having draft picks, second and first overall. So you've got savings there. You don't have any big outstanding free agents this year. You don't have any guys that are at the point in their career or in their contract where they you know, can come back and say, hey, I want a new contract. You've got to pay me what I'm worth now. Um, you know, it, Financially, it's a good year for the Rams just to kind of eat that contract with Otagway. And, and the way Otagway's playing, I mean, why not? Why wouldn't you keep the guy? I mean, depending on what's out there in the free agent market and depending on what they want to do with the draft, uh, that's not to say I wouldn't necessarily start looking for another free safety. Um, you know, one thing the Rams don't have a lot of depth at is free safety. And they've got some good strong safeties with Butler and Dahl, but they don't have a true free safety to go behind a Togway. So, uh, you know, but I would say they they got to pay him. I mean, just pay him. And, you know, he, he's obviously – he's. He's played up to the contract this year. There's no question about that. I was going to say, is it almost a Derek Jeter effect where you're paying him for what he's done so far? Yeah, I mean that's what it is. It was, you know, it was kind of a deal. It's like, all right, we, you know, you got a contract, but now if he'd had a poor season, I think then no way. I think the Rams would it would have been an easy pass, and they could have found somebody else to take his place. You know, maybe not as good as Otagway's potential was, but if Otagway hadn't played the way he's played this season, it's a no-brainer. But, you know, he's been way too an important part of this defense. And and you look at this defense, and I think I really like our secondary. I think the secondary gets even better next year if the Rams find another pass rusher to go on the other side of, other side of long. I like James Hall. It's not to discount what he's done. But, you know, his age and situation, that's kind of – he's you know, you, you can't count on him too much longer. And I think they need a speed guy, just a speedy – athletic rusher where they've got the kind of manhandler and the mauler and Chris Long, a similar kind of guy in, in Hall, but I, I think they need a speed guy. You saw that against in, in some of the games 
you know, where they were rushing with the front four and they just couldn't get things done. New Orleans, that game really comes to mind. But, you, you know, if you upgrade the defensive line a little bit, you're really going to see a secondary that's that looks even more impressive because, you know, the matchup, they're, they're carrying less of the work on that side of the ball, I think. 3K, I mean, don't you? I mean, you, you're, you, you've, you've been fairly positive about this secondary this season. Sure, and I mean, the part of the key is that we're not able to rush our front four against really good teams with any consistency, and that makes it incredibly difficult, not only for the secondary, but for the linebackers. The linebackers, you're asking them to do, to hold greater coverage than, what, 90, mm-hmm. 80% of other teams in the league because of what's stacked at the front four. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they play that battle throughout the offseason in terms of free agency in the draft to say, okay, if, we, if we've if we got the cornerbacks we can believe in, whether that's Bartell, Fletcher, Murphy, Dockery, King, whoever whoever it is that they're pointing to, um, mm-hmm. and they say the only real thing we need to do is in, increase the pressure, well, you've got two options. You've got defensive tackle and you've got defensive end. I completely agree with you, the type of defensive end that we need. Um, it's just going to be a question of where you get that. It's going to be an yeah. interesting offseason off as it relates to the defense. But, uh, you know, in, in terms of the secondary, yeah, I completely agree. It's too hard. Too often we ask our cornerbacks to hold coverage for longer than they should be asked. And you say yeah. you can say that about almost any other team. You can't give teams four, five, six seconds uh, to scan the field, to allow receivers, uh, to, to make second and even third routes, and then especially to give quarterbacks that kind of time to scan the field and go through multiple progressions and go back to the third, fourth receivers even. So, yeah, and that's, I, I'm you with know, you and that's on it, fine. man. I'm with you. Well, I'm just going to say that's, you know, a good quarterback, and you saw this with Matt Ryan or Drew Brees, a good quarterback's going to beat good coverage any day. I mean, that's just a good quarterback, good receiver always wins against good coverage. And when they got that kind of, when you've got six seconds to make a throw, it's a no-brainer. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's Ron Bartell or Darrell Rivas or Kevin Dockery. It's, you know, it's going to be the same thing in the end when you've when you you've got that situation on your hands. So, that's my secondary two cents, 3K. There you go. I'm with you, man. I'll throw, I'll throw my other two cents. Here we go. We got one more uh, transplanted Rams fan trying to get me on bowl season yet. I got to hold off on that, man. We still got a good 20 minutes, 20 minutes remaining in Turf Show Radio. What, what do you think? Any other thoughts relating to this season, to this team? Uh, what, you know, we talked about what, what our expectations were going into this season, but what do you think this team has said about themselves, you know, getting this far, getting to this point? And Spagnuolo as a coach, this early in his career, being able to do what he what he's done with this team this year, do you think that's a positive statement? Is it just something that's worked out? The oh, it's worked out. Absolutely, absolutely. And and I don't think I mean I didn't. I did you? I sure didn't expect the Rams to be in contention no. for the playoffs this year. No way. I thought six wins was was the most realistic. Was was even slightly optimistic, and and that was a uh, you know where we'd go this season. But here we are. Oh, looking to pick up our eighth win, a trip to the playoffs. It's a big deal. I mean, and Could I think you? you've you've done it without a lot of. I mean, you've probably got a worse group of wide receivers this year than you did last year, and it's hard to think of anything worse about the 2010 Rams than there than the 2009 Rams. But you know, you're kind of in that situation with receiver, but you got a much better quarterback. You know, you've got a you've got a game plan that's conservative. And that frustrates us all sometimes, but you know it's designed to kind of take advantage of 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 the assets that the Rams do have, and that's a quarterback and a running back and Stephen Jackson and an offensive line that can pass block pretty well. Uh, it's a it, it far exceeded expectations. 
And I, mean, sure. I think we're you know one off season away. This is going to be the most exciting off season in a long, long time. More so than having the first overall pick in the draft, I think. Yeah, I think, you know, to be honest, I, there was a point early on in the season that I got worried. It was a specific point. And uh, at that point, I was worried that what we had seen uh, up to that point in this season was kind of an anomaly and that we had gotten some good wins, we had gotten some good play, but that it was all going to fall apart. And that was the game on October 10th against Detroit in Detroit, uh, the uh-huh. one game that we had won in 2009. And then to go back there this year and lose 44-6, to a week after beating Seattle 20-3 to and beating Washington by two touchdowns two weeks prior. Uh, yeah, and that's not including the Arizona and Oakland losses, which I know Ram Chop is still hurting from. That uh, you know, those kind of come from ahead losses instead of come from behind wins. I yeah. I, re- I really felt at that point, man, I'm worried that this team doesn't have it mentally. Now, I mean, we know that talent wise, this isn't the most talented team. Uh, they, they, there's a lot of holes on this team that need to be addressed. But I was really worried that people had figured us out and that things were going to fall apart. And they came back the next week and beat San Diego of all teams. Uh, Twenty to seventeen by that field goal, holding on late. That that yeah. was the most impressive point to me in the entire season was to be able to take a loss like we had in Detroit and without a bye week, come back seven days later and be able to put it back on the table and get things done. And then you go to Tampa Bay and, and it was painful because we had that game in the bag and uh, Josh Freeman comes down and finishes it off with that you know end of game touchdown and then we beat Carolina like we should before the bye week. And you're four and four. I really didn't think that. Even after the Detroit game, I really thought that we were uh, that downward spiral had just started, and I was really worried. So I was really impressed yeah. at the mental makeup that this team has had in terms of being able to bounce back from uh, from the tough defeats. Yeah, and that you know you think about the the spiral in Detroit. Now I don't know that it was directly related to this. It's hard to it's hard to discount the correlation though. But you know, all after Mark Clayton goes down with injury, Mark Clayton goes out. What sure. Mark Clayton's lost. The Rams still managed to get down the field, and they have that ugly fumble, and it's just, you know, it's over at that point. And it's a it's a blowout. It's a massacre from then on in Detroit. But then, they, you're, like you say, they come back, they beat San Diego. It's an impressive effort, and they've responded well all season. I think that speaks well of Spagnolio. I think that speaks well of the organization. The players, the players in the system, I and mean, it's funny you think about some of the guys that are the quote-unquote veterans on the team. And I know, I know you've got some guys with a lot of experience, like a James Hall or for that, but you know, you're you're looking at like some guys in their mid twenties that are the veteran leaders that have three and four years in the NFL that are your veteran leaders on this team, and that's, you know, it was frustrating and, and it was hard to watch all those guys that that you kind of gotten used to seeing in a Rams uniform go go their separate ways over the years, but it's just a it's the big circle, man. It is the big circle. Yeah, I, I've been really impressed about the way that this team has put it all together. Um, let's Street, get back to the me, game, man. What do you think? The, good note from Ramrod real quick. Uh, you know, okay. the weather. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be pretty cold. It's going to be near freezing. I think it's supposed to dip into the high 30s by game time. It's going to be a cold game. Do you think that's going to play a role somehow? I don't know. I mean, I, you know, the Denver game was supposed to – altitude was supposed to play a big role on the Rams, and they, you know, didn't have – things went well in Denver. I, I think it's just like any other game. I mean, you know, it, it's a factor, but if it were raining or snowing or something like that where, you know, you you the elements are taking taking away your passing game a little bit, then I'd be a little more worried. I think they'll be fine. I mean, you know, it's it's 30 degrees, not 10 degrees. And I think yeah, it's hard to think that the, the 
that the temperature yeah. is going to play a real big deal. And, and here's the thing. If you want to be able to t- be taken seriously as a real team come playoffs, NFC or AFC, you got to be able to go out and play in the cold. It's not like you're playing in a Patriots, you know, blanket of snow or, you know, a Pittsburgh torrent of rain, you know, those kind of games that you, you look yeah. back and you're like, man, those teams are really, really ready for that kind of weather. This is just cold, man. you got to be ready to play in the cold. It's, it's January, bro. Yeah, absolutely. And that's just, you know, that's, that's that's what happens. It's week seventeen. It's a must win game. It's a do or die thing. You gotta be you gotta be ready for whatever they throw at you. Matt Hasselbeck, Charlie Whitehurst, seventy degrees, thirty degrees, whatever. You gotta be ready to go. And I, and I think they will be. And at least in in terms of that, that that doesn't that does not worry me. Yeah, I was gonna say if anything, you know the the fact that it's cold. The only role it might play is that it's gonna have guys like Matt Hasselbeck, uh, you know, really stiff and increase that likelihood of being injured, if anything. I don't know. I don't think it's going to mean that much to the Rams, though. No, no. I, if it were me, personally, as a fan, if I were in the stands, it would mean extra bourbon to keep me warm. But other than that, I mean, I don't see it. I'm you with know. you, brother. <laughs> I'm with you. Well, what do you think, man? I don't know. The draft talk is, is out there. If we're ready to go to that, we got about 13 minutes left on the, uh, on the show before we hit the overtime. Me, what do you think, me, man? Let me throw some more. Let's let's throw some more 2010 regular season at you, 3K, let's because we got a little bit of time left. I hate to talk too much about it because we're not, you know, there's one more game, at least one more game to play. We're not wrapping things up yet, but you know, we are 16 weeks in, 15 games, 16 weeks. We've seen a lot of football. We've seen a lot of action. We can we can definitely compare this Rams team to the teams of Rams past. You know, we talked about the expectations that, that we had for this team going into the season and where they are today and where they are now and and a little bit about what we kind of expect for next year. Let's talk about some of the front off. I, you know, something that's that's not gotten a lot of attention in all this. We've talked about the coaches. we talked about the players on the field. But you got to give the Rams front office some credit for what's gone on here. Now, part of that is that they had, had the good sense to go out and hire smart football people for their coaching staff, smart football people with a clear vision that kind of know what they're looking for and know what they're bringing in, and then that kind of gives the front office some direction. And the front office and the coaching staff are working together so well on that sort of thing, whether it's due diligence on draft picks, whether it's finding the right free agents, whether it's you know going out and filling in for all those injured, the injured guys. The Mark Clayton trade is the perfect example of that. You know, they go out and get Mark Clayton to fill in for a Donnie Avery. I mean, I really don't think the Rams would probably be where they are today had they not gone out and got Mark Clayton. I know Mark Clayton didn't get to contribute a lot because he got hurt week five against Detroit. But, you know, the two wins, uh, the the wins the Rams got before that game, you know, you certainly got to give Clayton a lot of credit for that. And I don't, it's hard to imagine that happening without it. And similar moves across the board, the Fred Robbins, the Fred Robbins edition, uh, you know, I uh, those are those are the those are the kind of moves. The last year, you look at Jason Brown, the center. The draft picks are obvious ones we talk about all the time here. But you know, there's to me, there's some executive of the year. Just like you, you talk about rookie of the year, coach of the year, MVP. There's executive of the, of the year talk for Devaney this year. I think so, and I think part of it is that you know there's been almost a low risk uh, approach. From Devaney, as soon as he started, I think part of that reflects itself in the Spagnuolo hiring. 
a lot of it reflects itself in the free agents like you talked about. And, he, and here's the thing. It's not just that the low risk, sometimes when they pay off, it's great, whether it's Fred Robbins or Mark Clayton and bringing mm-hmm. those kind of guys in. But even when they bust, uh, Hank Fraley, it really doesn't set the team back that much. If you're a Washington Redskins and you're going out there and you know throwing out Donovan McNabb and Albert Hainsworth, when those guys bust, it brings the whole team down. So oh, I think yeah. there's a different approach. And, and so far it's proven to be sound mainly because we've drafted well enough to put ourselves back in contention, especially, like I said earlier, at the key positions, quarterback, tackle, middle linebacker, defensive end. Right. I, you know, and, and to, I might agree with you that to this, thus, to this point, uh, you know, Kevin Demoff and Billy Devaney have been great, great managers of the franchise. But I think mm-hmm. that will pale in comparison to what they do next. I think what they do next is more important than what they've done thus far. If they succeed, their successes in the future will completely outweigh everything they've done to this point, simply because it's worth more. Now that you've got a viable team and a viable product, you know, from a marketing standpoint, you've got to be able to capitalize on that. That's why I said for, what, a couple months, that this offseason is the biggest offseason that Billy Devaney's had to deal with. And that includes turning around a 2-14, and 1-15 and 15 team, hiring a new, you know, entire coaching staff, bringing yeah. on a number one quarterback uh, out of the draft, number one overall pick for an exorbitant amount of money. Those things just won't be as important as what he's got in front of him. And I, they, these are the kind of situations that end up defining people's careers, or at least, you know, a big chapter of their career. So i got to agree with you. He's been great, but that greatness doesn't matter as much as what he does next. No, not, the next season, and that's the big move. And now, you know, somebody had a post uh, on the fan post this week that, you know, Given what the Rams have done this season, it becomes much easier to make that selling point to the to the bigger name free agents out there to come to the Rams. I mean, you know, it used to be that you know it was kind of you know the Rams were the backup, the fallback option for uh, for Jason Brown in, in the free agent sweepstakes last year, and that's you know been by far the biggest free agent addition of the last two years. Um, and the Rams will have an easier time with that. And now it's like you say, three K. It'll be interesting because. You know, now that even the some of the depth guys, it's not such a big deal. But you know, if they go out and get a defensive end, if they go out and get a get a big name defensive end, if they go out and get a big name of outside linebacker, so, you know, less so with a four three defense. But you know, wide receivers, another one like that. You know, they've got to go out and get the guys that they're going to be able to plug into the system and not cause a cause the disruption if they lose those guys. Obviously, you can't help you know being hurt when you lose a, a big time player, but. But that don't cause disruption when they're in the system, when they're in the mix and they fit well into the scheme and the system of everything. You know, there was a lot of clamor last off season. Oh, they need to go out and get Aaron Cameron or Julius Peppers or somebody. You know, one of those big name guys like that. But you know what? The point that those guys served for where the Rams were at that point in time just didn't really. I mean, it just didn't make a lot of sense for the team to spend that kind of money and extra money that they would have had to spend because they were still the St. Louis Rams. Well, now they have those options on the table. Yeah, and I think the question becomes, you know, what, what is the what opportunities do they choose to pursue free agency in terms of patching the holes up? This is like like you said, this is the first time that they've really got a got an opportunity to build on that. And where guys like that make sense where they didn't before, is that an option that they choose to pursue this off season? I think the key is to look at how they feel about free agents in the first place. You know, you go back to even the greatest show on turf. Maybe Aeneas Williams. Were there any really big free agents that I'm not thinking of? I mean, most of them seemed homegrown. It, it almost seemed like everybody was homegrown, and that the the free agents were supplements to to a core and to a system that really worked, that came from within. Yeah. I don't know. It, you know, 
And maybe that's just me that that I have a, a fear of free agents simply because I see them bust so often around the NFL. And you've got to be careful about who you bring in because they're coming from from different backgrounds. And obviously, if you bring in a high price guy, they're coming from a successful place and a successful team and a successful system. And, and you know, Albert Hainsworth asterisk. Sometimes that, that stuff just yeah. blows up right in your face. Now, obviously, Hainsworth is an anomaly, but you know, to a lesser degree, you have to be careful that the kind of guys you're bringing in aren't products of a system and that they're going to be able to do the kinds of things that you want them to do and that you're paying them to do. It's going to be an interesting offseason, man. Drew Bennett. Hey, I, I, I wasn't willing to say that name on air, but, you know, it's like a <laughs> bad guy in Harry Potter. My wife likes some Harry Potter movies. I forget his name, but, yeah, exactly. The name that the name that shan't be spoken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, and, you know, it's interesting, too, because, I mean, if the Rams were, you know, they were interested in Vincent Jackson this season, they were sort of interested in Randy Moss and Terrell Owens. I mean, that's a – you know, you start – they're interested in guys like that this uh, this season. You you kind of wonder what next year they're going to be like when, you know, and if the checkbook's open and, and the, what kind of things they're going to do. I, nah, good teams, you build good teams. You build it's the draft. I mean, that's New England's secret to success. That's Baltimore's secret to success. Pittsburgh, all those teams are the main source of talent is the draft, and the free agents come and go, and then they you know they they sign the right guy and you plug them in. But it's always about the draft. I mean, that's the heart and soul of how you build a winning franchise. And and hopefully, uh, you know, the Rams' recent track record with drafts, conti- draft success continues into next season. J.K., I can't imagine we'll be talking about the draft very much when the season's over. Mm. Not at mm. I don't know. Man, I mean, I'm trying to keep up with it. I've been so busy, you know, personally, and then the bowl games, are. there's just so much going on. It was like a – who said it earlier in the thread? Was it transplanted Rams fan? I think it was. Yeah, it was. It said, what is the one thing you've learned so far from this bowl season? The fr- the one thing I've learned is that, damn it, there are way too many bowls, man. There's just way too many. How am I- how do you keep up with all these damn bowl games? It's like a regular season crammed into two weeks. It's ridiculous. And I, here's the worst part about it, I think, is that there's enough time. It's that my biggest complaint about the Super Bowl is that week off between the the conference championships and the Super Bowl. Well, it's even worse with college football because the season ends on what Thanksgiving, basically, and then you got a month before you play football again. Stupid. Yeah, I heard it on the radio. I think it's 37 days in between Auburn and Oregon when they played in their conference championships to the national championship. 37 days, man. Yeah, and when is it, the national championship? It's like the 10th or 11th of January or something like that. Yeah, I, isn't it? I mean, it used to be like – It is in those first few days after New Year's, and you'd think, oh, my God, that's ridiculous. It's after New Year's already. Just just, just get it over with. And now they're just – it's like every other professional sport. They just push it back further and further. Next thing you know, colleges are going to be wanting 18 games. Well, hey, don't don't worry about it. I know everybody's got it circled, but January 6th, the GoDaddy.com Bowl, Middle Tennessee against Miami of Ohio. Tell your mm-hmm. wife you're busy. It's going down. <laughs> I was always partial to humanitarian bowl. It made me feel good man, about the I things that you should be doing, but I don't man. do. I used to love doing the pick 'em where you predict the names of the next year's bowl. I never would have guessed Beefo Brady's bowl, but uh, you got some good ones. The San Diego County Credit Union Poinsettia Bowl. That's pretty awesome. That takes Ooh, balls. That, that is takes balls. And, you know, I have this picture in my head of the guy sitting around the, you know, the conference table. What do you guys think? You know what, sir? I got the perfect name. San Diego County Credit Union Poinsettia Bowl. It says everything we it says everything about us. It's perfect. 
concise <laughs> to the well, point. I'd like to be on, on the marketing decisions. Like, all right, I know we don't have a big marketing budget because we are the San Diego Credit Union, but I think <laughs> I've got just the thing for us, the poinsettia bowl. There I like to go. go with it. It's huge. You need, you know, these old fat white men sitting around chomping on cigars and thinking, like, what bowl are we going to sponsor this year? Mm, the points of the humanitarian. I, I, you know, one thing, I, and I don't. I, it's, it's just this is too busy time. This time of year is just nuts with the, all the holiday stuff, the family stuff. My wife and I got out of town last week. It's kind of that one year we get that one time of year lately that we've been able to get out of town. So it's been a little busy. I haven't paid attention to the, the games themselves. But one thing I have kind of tried to keep my finger on the, the trigger, the, the pulse rather than the trigger. Uh, some of the some of the prospects we've been talking about, some of the more obviously some of the more big name guys, you know, 3K, you've, you've had that in your bowl game threads. You know, a guy that had a really good game that was kind of on the radar for wide receivers. There was some debate about what tier he was at, late first, early second, that kind of thing. After after AJ Green, after Jones, but he had a great bowl game, and I think that's probably going to elevate the conversation around him. Justin Blackman. Oklahoma State. Yeah, Huge game, game for the guys. Hell of a game. I know we're about to go into overtime, so for those of you guys listening, we're probably going to go off the air. But you can always catch us back on iTunes and whatnot, and uh, we'll see y'all in the game threads. Yeah. Thanks for tuning Blackman in. blew up, man. He blew up. He did, and then, you know, and I know it's just one game. Um, weren't they playing West Virginia? Is that it? Uh, Arizona. They had Arizona in Arizona. Uh, their bowl game. And so, you know, that's going to, you know, that's a name now that's going to start getting a lot more conversation. And, you know, between now and, and, and the combine and then between the combine and the draft, all that stuff's going to change a lot more, too. And there's going to be players rising and falling and and hot names to hot picks and hot names that you got to keep track of. But, you know, that's a guy that I, I think he's probably, you know, with that game, played his way into some first-round consideration now. I would agree. I would have had him as a first-round pick before. I think more important to us is that that game really showed me that he can fit in a Ram system. I know he had a 70 or 71-yard touchdown, but he ended up with nine catches for about 117. So if you take that out, that's eight catches for, you know, 40, 46 yards. That's a, that's a Rams-type line, man, eight catches yeah. for 46 yards. If you if you can keep plugging away in, in the passing game like that as a wide receiver, that that's that says to me you can fit in this system. So. That that was interesting to see because before now the only real first or even second round wide receiver that I was incredibly interested in in terms of bringing to the Rams was Julio Jones, but Blackman made a statement, man, that he can fit almost almost in any kind of system. Yeah, and now I mean, in terms of what Blackman brings, you know, another guy has. It seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I, you know, I haven't watched enough Oklahoma State to be you know, by any means an authority on this. But it seems like he's a guy that, you know, one thing where the Rams could really use, and you see this with the red zone and some of the matchups that, you know, we're not able to get against opposing secondaries and opposed, some opposed, sometimes opposing linebackers is, you know, a guy that can go up and get the ball, a guy that's got hands and some and, and, and some vertical ability to go up and make a catch and pull the ball down out of the air. 
He does. I mean, he's got the power and the athleticism. The only real knock on him is that he's only about six foot, six foot one. But yeah, definitely, he's got he's got the hands to do it. He's got the power and the athleticism to do it. So yeah, he can get up in the air as a red zone threat, especially and make a difference. The only real issue is that it, he's not going to have the kind of height advantage that you get out of a lot of other wide receivers. You know, you got a six foot five eleven, six foot one corner. A lot of times, you get that easy three four inch advantage from a wide receiver, you know, a guy like Denario yeah. Alexander. You're not going to get that with Blackman, but he's uh, he's got plenty of power. He's got plenty of power, and he can get off the line as powerfully as anybody can in college. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Now, 3K, what, what, who, what, what makes Julio Jones stand out to you as a well, potential Well, to man, me, it's consistent. Attractive to you. And, and, and I know a, a lot of people would be confused by that because uh, – you know, if there's one word that you could throw at his entire college career, it might be inconsistency. But the thing for Julio Jones is that he's always available. You know, no matter the kind of play, no matter the route, Julio Jones is available. And, and there's not a lot of guys that you can say that about. I don't even know that you can say that about A.J. Green. He, he's got a lot. He's got a bit more speed and I think a bit more fluidity than Jones does. But Jones is a mm-hmm. possession type receiver. I don't think he's got. A, I don't think he's matched in, ter- in anybody that I can see out of college right now. Even even some of the younger guys that are coming out that are really standing out. Maybe, uh, what's his name, Ron Woods at uh, USC. But other than him, I think Jones may be the best possession receiver in college right now as it translates to the NFL. And mm-hmm. given that that's the, that's the role that essentially LeRon Robinson is supposed to hold for this offense, I, yeah. I don't think it's out of the question that he makes sense in terms of the Rams being able to go through the draft and find somebody that fits our system. He He seems to be a prime candidate for me. Yeah, and that's a guy that'll be interesting to see what you know what happens with the draft talk and you know where the Rams end up in the draft and you know late in the middle second round, late in the second round when teams start drafting for the player they want as opposed to you know kind of the way they target guys in the you know the first five picks like the, like they're wants to do. It'll be interesting sure. to see how all that shakes out. Yeah, um, I think I think I still think a lot of it depends on you know Denario Alexander. If they feel that he can be that kind of possession guy, almost like he was last week, where you can get him the ball yeah. seven, eight, nine, ten times a game and target him, you know, about a dozen times a game, and get him on those comebacks, a little six yard out, with, you know, third and four, and get him a six yard reception. You don't have to go down the field and get a whole lot of yards. Just get somebody that can get you first downs consistently. Amendola played that role for a while. But, you know, it's almost too easy to key on him for defenses because he's just not that versatile. He's just incredibly quick. You've got to have a guy with size and power and quickness and hands that can do it for you. Mm-hmm. It's not Brandon Gibson. It's not LaRon Robinson. If there's anybody on this roster that can do it, it's going to be Denario. I think he's he's the question mark for this team. If he can solve that issue, then it, it definitely throws the approach to the draft, you know, in reference to wide receivers up in the air. Yeah, and I like, you know, you talk about the physicality with Blackman. I like the way that, I, you know, Alexander's a similar, you know, he plays a physical physical game like that. Now, part of the problem with that is is that's kind of been a contributing factor in the fact that he's had five knee surgeries, and that's what would worry me more than anything. I mean, sure. Alexander looks like he has lots of talent. He looks like he could be a real contributor in the NFL. But, man, five knee surgeries, that's a big, big deal, and that's a big that's- question mark. No matter how many seasons the guy plays. Yeah, and that's why he didn't go drafted. It wasn't an indication of his talent. I mean, he killed it at Missouri. Statistically, 
you know, technically he had everything you want out of a number one wide receiver except that his knee. Nobody wanted to invest in that knee. Now we've gotten where we've gotten to this point with him and things look good. There was one, maybe even two plays, I think, last week where he was really pounding on that knee and it, it looked fine. But, you know, it's a, it's a thin line, man. You, you wonder if it's just all going to come crashing down, and especially if you end up banking on that on, on him as a player and on that knee going into next season, if that's not a risk that you shouldn't be willing to take. Well, it's almost like it sets up the Rams for situations where, you know, maybe what they have with Alexander is they, they have more options available to them in that, right. you know, maybe then in the, the third, the fourth, the fifth rounds, that's where you go, like Tampa's done with Mike Williams this year. Sure. I mean, you know, maybe that's where you get a guy with a character, you know, a minor character, the kind of character issue that the coaches are confident enough they can work around, but that's dropped it down in the draft a little bit. Or it's a small school thing where, you know, hey, it's a Vince, like Vincent Jackson coming out of the draft. You know, he played at Northern Colorado. Sure. You know, yeah, as, I as mean, obscure as you can get for college that, football. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say that's one of the toughest things about being a draft fan is that the small schools, I just have no ends on those kind of things. I'm never going to be able to scout these guys, you know. I caught one Villanova game this year to see uh, Benjamin Ijelani. He's an inside, you know, he can play probably guard or center. But how, how am I supposed to get game tape of that guy? He plays a Villanova, man. So if you've got guys, you know, even last year, Vladimir Dukas, who played in, played in Massachusetts, you start hearing these things about guys from small schools, you're never going to get a good look at them. And those guys end up becoming really, really hot commodities leading up to the draft. And they just don't get as much play as some of the guys from yeah. the bigger schools. So. Well, it's one of those things that. Hey, do what? I said Roger Saffold, you know? Yeah, sure, Saffold, even at Indiana. I mean, it's not a not a heavily scouted commodity, as people know, but at least it's in the Big Ten where you can at least get a yeah. look on a guy after the fact. And, and as a fan, that, that's still relatively valuable, but, you know, guys that are coming from these small schools, Miles Austin, even Ron Bartell who came out of Howard, you just don't get a lot of looks at those guys before they make it to the NFL. It's tough. No, absolutely. I mean, that's where – and that's what I mean. I think the nice thing with Alexander, Alexander, you've got, it's you know he's a guy that they have to you have to kind of start looking for depth behind him because you got to think with five knee surgeries the guy's NFL. And I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to down on the guy or anything like that. I like him. I hope he has six good years with the Rams. But with five knee surgeries, I wouldn't I wouldn't count on another full season from him. I just wouldn't. I mean, if I were a, the business side of things, I, I wouldn't. Sure. You know what I mean? That's a, that's a lot no, of knee I, surgeries. I mean, he's had it completely rebuilt. That's a big deal. Same yeah, with Donnie tough, Avery, though, too. Now, it's not quite as extreme, but, you know, Avery's a guy that's had some injuries. Now, he's running again. He's had his ACL fixed, and, and an AC, ACL repairs aren't all that uncommon anymore, but it's a, you know, injury history. you got to start finding depth for these guys. you got to find, you know, you got to start, and that's what we've talked about with the draft already this year over and over again is that, now it's about making sure we have guys in the pipeline that are ready to come in and step up and fill in. I mean, you look at the situation at wide receiver this year. You know, after Clayton's gone, man, the Rams are just—it's just—it's slim pickings, and, and that's you know because you just don't have guys in in the pipeline that are kind of in the system and ready to go, ready to step in and and, and start making some things happen. Yeah, and you could make the case that you know maybe our top three receivers going into next year would be Avery, Clayton and Denario Alexander, and all three now have injury concerns. So it's definitely a position that, that is going to warrant scrutiny. And, now, you know, it's it's borne its own scrutiny throughout the entire season. So I, I don't think yeah. I'm saying that for the first time that anybody's 
really getting shocked by that. But it's definitely something that's going to come up again in the next couple months for sure. Well, and that's what we're going to be talking about a lot this year with in regards to the draft and, and, and the free agent sweepstakes. It's how are these guys fitting in the system? I mean, you got to think, you know, just not to – overdo it with wide receiver because I think it applies to every single position on the roster but um, you know the Rams aren't going to keep more than six guys at wide receiver on their active roster next year and and so how do you start you know how do you do that and start planning for start having the depth guys that are kind of ready to step in when you've got injury risks at key key roster spots there, like Avery or Alexander, sure. or some of those guys. I mean, what do you, you know, you've got to start gaming that out because it's not like baseball where you, you know, you can dip into your minor league system and, and switch guys off the, on and off the roster like that. I mean, you've got a six-man practice, or six to eight-man practice squad, and that's it. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, you've only got so many spots to hold, hold on to guys. It's true, man. I, I was going to say, I, I think we may have to wrap it up, Van. I think there's too much going on out there as much as I'd love to get the draft in. I think there's a there's a time and a place for everything, and tonight the time and place is Seattle. Absolutely, 3K. It, it, this is, tonight is it's, today's all about Week 17, and we got to win this game. we got plenty of time to talk about the 2010 season, the 2011 draft, all that stuff. we got to go win this game. I, I, don't really, I don't know what else to say about it, 3K. I'm nervous. I'm excited. I'm it's the greatest feeling I've had watching the Rams in a long, long time. Certainly, since I started doing Turf Show Times in 2006, I can't tell you what it's like to actually have be waiting for a meaningful Rams football game. I can yeah, cry. It, 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 it almost felt like Turf Show Times was always the place that we came to like cry together, you know, like a meatloaf and fight club type thing where we could all hold each other and say it's going to be all right. <laughs> the sun's coming up tomorrow. Don't worry about it. But now it's almost like, wait, 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 wait. We can actually win. We can actually be a, you know, a community that gets behind a respectable team. It, we're still not there, and I know NBC is going to be pounding on us and the division tonight. But we're, we're getting close, man. We're getting close, and I think tonight is almost the end of that chapter, the end of a, of piss poredom as we get closer, not only to mediocrity, but to being a successful and respectable team. Absolutely. I mean, not to you know, not to overdo it on the histrionics or anything, but it's like the wall falling down. It's that important. It's that big of a deal for the Rams. Mr. Goodell, tear down this wall. Three yes. <laughs> K. It's been another excellent edition of Turf Show Radio. I can't thank you enough. Um, My pleasure, you know. man. My pleasure. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the game, everybody out there in Radio Land. Uh, it's you know, seven twenty, four twenty, three twenty, whatever time of day. Turf Show Times is going to have you covered, as we always do during the game. Um, go Rams, three K. Yeah. Nice. There you go. Funk it up on the way out. For one night, two teams met in the Pacific Northwest to decide who was the true valiant conqueror. No, I can't do it, man. I can't go too over the top. <laughs> Two men enter, one man leaves. There you go. There you go. Tonight's tonight, brother. It's all on the line. Tonight's tonight. 3K. I'm going to talk to I'm you later, my off. man. Hey, you know what? Go Rams, brother. Go Rams. 
Night, everybody. We'll see you in the game thread. Drink run. Here we go. McCafe coffees, shakes, and drinks. Ain't no thing. You the man. Yeah, that's what they're going to say. Oh, Kevin, thank you so much. We love you. <laughs> that's right. You the champ. The drink run champ. Welcome to McDonald's. How can I help you? Own the drink run, Kevin. Own it. Now get a small smoothie, shake, or frappe for $2 on McDonald's one two three dollars menu. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Drink run. Here we go. McCafe coffees, shakes, and drinks. Ain't no thing. You the man. Yeah, that's what they're going to say. Oh, Kevin, thank you so much. We love you. <laughs> that's right. You the champ. The drink run champ. Welcome to McDonald's. How can I help you? Own the drink run, Kevin. Own it. Now get a small smoothie, shake, or frappe for $2 on McDonald's one two three dollars menu. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.